Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Everybody smile real big. I like to, I like to see smiles. I'm telling you, I really do. I, I'm just a. I like to see people smiling. I went over in the joy class this morning before church and asked Sister June. I said, "How you doing?" She said, "Well, I'm glad to be at church." And I thought, "Wow, that's a good attitude to have, isn't it?" Uh, because there's a lot of people that are not glad to be at church, and there's a lot of people that would like to be at church this morning that couldn't be. So I told Sister June. Uh, Westmoreland, I said, you just go in there. I said, you, you just spread that all around and, and be real contagious with that. And uh, we'll have everybody glad to be here this morning. Luke chapter number 14. Luke's gospel chapter 14. If you'll stand to honor the reading of God's word when you arrive in Luke chapter 14. And we'll start our reading in verse 15. Luke chapter 14, verse 15. If you're there, say Amen. If you're not, just look behind me. There it is. So Luke chapter 14, verse 15. The Bible says this. It says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have brought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled." Father, we love you, God, and we thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you for the blessings, Lord. God, I thank you for each one that's here this morning. I just pray that you will bless them for their effort of being here. God, I just pray that as the word goes out this morning, God, that it would touch hearts. God, that it would infiltrate people's souls, Lord, and that, and that people would take this word, God, and heed it. And Lord, and know that, that a decision must be made this morning. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, I stand here absolutely unworthy to preach your word and God the Holy Spirit must do the preaching this morning God I just pray that if anybody's backslidden here this morning God that you would draw them back to you Lord if there's anybody lost that you would convict their soul Lord and let them know that they need to be saved before it's too late God I just pray that your word would speak for itself give me clarity of mind God this morning to proclaim your word in Jesus name amen you may be seated I noticed on the front row this morning, y'all know last week I put a bunch of stuff on Tanner and tied him up and all that, right? Y'all remember that? He's not here. Uh, he was here because he was just playing bass, but now I guess he got scared and ran off. So I'm not going to tie anybody up this morning if that's all right with y'all. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. He just he said he told me, he said, brother, I still love you, and he disappeared. So I don't know what's up, but, but pray for Tanner. It, I love this scripture, and I love the book of Luke. It's one of my favorite gospels. And, and when Luke presents a story, Luke told a lot of parables. Now, what a parable is, is we're about to hear a story that, that is a, a 
earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. See, when Jesus told a story, a lot of us like to tell stories, don't we? Some people are good at it, some people not so good at it. But when Jesus addressed a crowd of people and he told a story, it was always going to be to a point. Jesus did not tell a parable or give a parable just so that the people could say, yeah, Jesus, that was a pretty good thing that you said there. No, when Jesus said something, he was making a point. He was trying to drive something home. And so in the previous verses to this, I'll just give you a little context. He's, he's been at a supper and, and he's been around a meal and so he's going to talk about a great supper. And so 16, verse number 16, and he said unto them, he being Jesus, it says a certain man made a great supper, and bade many. Now the first thing I want you to see here is that this man probably was, was a man that was wealthy, probably a man that was well thought of, because if he was going to make a supper that could, could hold, as, as we find out, so many, and that his house would be full, he would have to be a rich person. He would have to be somebody that, that could, could do a lot and give a lot out. And so we see that this man did this out of the kindness of his heart. He didn't ask anything in return of these people. It wasn't a meal that you were going to have to pay for. He just said, all you have to do, it said that he prepared a great supper. And then he told his servant in verse number 17, and he sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. So this man has done this great thing. This man has, has worked probably all day, or at least his servants have worked all day, and he's throwing this great party, this great supper, having this very large banquet. And he invites a bunch of people, numerous people, no doubt, and they were probably his friends, probably people that, that he knew, because normally when I have supper at my house and, and, and uh, I'm having people, I don't just go out onto the street and, and invite, invite people, do you? I mean, it's not just a thing I do. I, maybe some of you are more kind-hearted than I am, but that's just not me. Normally, when I'm having supper at home, I'm going to call my friends up or send them a text message and say, hey, free supper at my house tonight. And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Or, or a lot of times they'll, they'll say, well, I can't do it. And so this man was no different. He couldn't send out a phone call or he couldn't send out a text message. But this man sent, and he said, hey, supper... Is ready. I like what he says there. He says, he says, just come. He said, all you have to do is come. He said, for all things are ready. So the first thing that we need to see in this scripture, we'll just get right to the point, is that a great invitation was given. This man says the word come. He says, hey, he says, you that are outside, he says, come in and be a part of what I have to offer you. Does that sound familiar to you this morning? It sounds like a, a great parallel of what Jesus was about to do. See, Jesus has something great prepared for each and every one of us. Did you know that? Are you aware of that fact this morning that Jesus has something prepared for you and I? And, and, and just like he said here in the scripture, I don't think this is an accident that Jesus said it this way. It says that come for all things are now ready. That means that the work has already been done. That means that you don't have to do anything in yourself. That, that all you have to do is get up from where you're at and just come and accept what he has to offer. It was so simple. I don't know about you. I like free supper, don't you? I mean, I do. Anytime anybody offers me free supper, I'm going to clear the schedule. I'm going to go. Not a lot of y'all invite me over. I don't know what's up with that. Y'all probably think I eat a lot by looking at me. But anytime there's, there's anything free, a lot of times people will, will, will just snatch that opportunity. They'll seize it and they'll go and they'll partake in it. 
And this man had worked and he had done this, this great thing and prepared this great banquet. And he sent his servant out and he says, hey, go tell everybody, supper is ready. And so the servant went out. And in the next verses it says this. Verse number 18. It says, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. They all with one consent began to make excuse. They started making or giving that servant excuses as to why they could not partake in what was prepared for them. So this morning, I'm going to preach on, on this. I'm going to preach on no use for excuse. Is that all right? I'm going to preach on that. I didn't have a title last week, so there's a real easy title for you back there, Matthew. No use for excuse. So the first guy we see here, it says they all with one consent. So the first thing I want to ask you is, is really what is an excuse? If I ask you that question and I said, can you tell me what an excuse is? You would probably tell me something along the lines of, well, it's a justification for something. Or it's a reason why somebody can't do something. Now sometimes excuses are valid, are they not? If I was to say, hey, I'm going to have supper after or lunch after uh, church at my house, why don't you come on over? There may be a good reason why you can't be there. You may have already had other plans. You may have something to do. But then sometimes when you ask somebody to do something, they tell you something, and you know it's a lie. Anybody ever done that to you? You ever told them or asked them anybody to do something? And they'll say, well, I can't do that. And then they'll give you the, for lack of better words, the stupidest reason you ever heard in your life. Hey, hey, I've got something for you. Well, you know, I got to do this, or or this needs to be done, and and I've got this to do. And and this was no doubt. You know, people haven't changed. People have, have have not changed. The world's changed. Everything's changing. But people pretty much remain the same. This is two thousand years ago that Jesus told this story. This is Jesus talking. And so Jesus, 2,000 years ago, knew how the character of people would be where we sit in 2020 right now. It was, it was just the same that people are invited and they're asked to partake in something good. And yet they say, no, I better not. And then they say, because of this reason. And so we see three excuses here of people that, that say, hey, I can't come. I can't participate. I can't partake because of this reason. You know, God is, is, is constantly, constantly asking you to do something. For, for a lost person, you know what the invitation is? Come and get saved. Come and get saved. And you say, well, preacher, you say that every single week. I can't say it enough. I can't, I can't say it enough. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. Somebody told him that all his messages sound the same. He said, that's fine. He said, I take a scripture. He said, then I make a beeline straight to the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what we must do. And, and so God is calling people. God's given an invitation. Did you know that, that God does literally is going to have a great supper prepared for us? If you go over to the book of Revelation, chapter number 19, I won't go there. We have what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you're familiar with that, then you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not, see, see Cecil after church. He'll explain it to you. But we have the, the, we'll have literally the great marriage supper of the Lamb. That is when Jesus Christ comes and, and is going to partake his bride and take her and, and, and be consummated. And we're going to be married to Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. We are literally invited to the supper. But yeah, not everybody's going to go. I wish they could. I wish they would. But they're not. It's not going to happen. Not everybody that's going to be invited 
is going to go. Do you know who's going to be invited? Well, everybody is. This is an open invitation. It's, it's not something where you, you just have to, you're a certain select few or just, just a couple here and a couple there. No, it's not that just, just three or four of you are going to make it. Everybody has the opportunity and the chance to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but so many are not. Why is that? Well, they got other things going that they think are more important. But then saved people do the same thing. You know, God's always calling you to something greater. Did you know that? When you get saved, we had a guy get saved last week, and, and he's sitting here, and I won't, I won't point him out, but everybody's looking at him right now, so, so he's smiling real big. But, but you start out as, as, a, as a baby in Christ. And, and, you know, as a baby, you start out, and you can't do many things on your own, but then you start growing, and you start growing. And a Christian does the same thing. When somebody, when somebody gets saved, you know, you're, you're supposed to mature. You're supposed to grow closer to God. You're supposed to do some things and, and read your Bible and pray and go to church and, and, and innumerable other things that God wants us to do, but people don't do it. Why? Why is that? Well, they've got something else to do. They've got other things on their plate that, that they say, well, no, I can't do this, and then they'll, they'll, they'll spout off this reason why. And sometimes it's a good reason why they can't read their Bible. Maybe they had an emergency or whatever, or they can't pray or, or whatever the situation may be. But most of the time, it's a terrible reason that turns into a lie. Amen? Anybody agree with me or is everybody mad now? I'm just, I'm just going by what the Word says. But there's an invitation, and that invitation is come. See, the guy said it right there, the guy that made the supper, he said one word, and that was Come. Come, just, just come on. And so for lost people, he's saying, come on. For saved people, he's saying, come to me. Get closer to me. Hey, when, when Peter walked or was about to walk on the water, what did Jesus say to Peter when he was going to get closer to him? He said, come on. When Jesus is drawing lost people, he's saying, come unto me. But so many people reject that invitation. Why is that? Well, the first guy we're going to see in the story, there's three different people mentioned here. And it says in verse 18, I'll read it one more time. It says, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. And here's what the first guy said to him. I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Now I don't know about you, and, and I've, I've bought a little bit of land in my life, not a whole lot, but, but I am never, if I can help it, ever going to buy a piece of ground Sight unseen. Are you? I mean, I don't know about you. Some, some of you folks in here might be land speculators. Some of you got a lot of money. And uh, you can just go buy a piece of ground without seeing it. But anybody that's got any sense whatsoever, if you're going to buy a piece of ground, something that's going to cost you as much as a piece of land, you're not just going to say, well, I'll buy it and then I'll go see it later. So this first guy, all I can figure on him, as I studied this out and as I prayed over this, the only thing, that, the only reason I could think of, of anybody that would ever do that is somebody that just had a lot of money, just had some money to spend, just had a lot of possessions to say, hey, you know, it'll be okay if, if it don't work out, well, I'll just sell it and it'll be fine. So this guy gives the excuse of, hey, I bought a piece of land and now I've got to go see it. And me and you sat here this morning and we say, well, that's silly. That's foolish. Man, who would do that? But isn't that, we give excuses the same way, don't we? You ever think that when, when God...
God asks you to do something or when God gives you an invitation to come and you give an excuse as to why you can't do it, that God would ever just say, you know what, that's, that's foolish sounding. And maybe saying something like, do you hear yourself? Do you hear what you're saying? So the first guy that, that we see here, he was probably concerned with what he possessed more than he was with going to supper. He was more concerned with worldly possessions than he was about going to this great supper that he was bidden to. And I see this everywhere. I see this everywhere. When you ask people why they, they don't want to get saved, they'll just start naming off excuses. And a lot of it has to do with what they have. They'll say, well, I've got, I've got these other things going for me. And, and I've, got, I've got so many other things to worry about. And so they can't do it. And so guy number two, we're moving very quickly through this section. In verse number 19, another guy's asked. He says, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go pr to prove them, or I go to try them out. I pray thee, have me excused. So we go from this guy that was probably very rich to what, what, what I would call a working class guy here. You don't have five yoke of oxen unless you're planning to do some work, right, Brother Gary? That's like having five big old John Deere tractors. And this man had some work to do. And again, he says that I have bought them. He may have already seen them. But he says now, after I bought them, i got to go try them out. i got to make sure that they're going to get done what I need them to get done. This guy had some work to do. This guy had, had so many other things, and he just didn't have time. If you've got five yoke of oxen, I guarantee this, you've got a lot of work to do. And so back then, if you had five yoke of oxen, you've probably got plenty of fields to plow. And so this guy, all he couldn't do, his reason for not being able to go is he just couldn't find the time to do it. He just didn't have time for it. Would you agree that's why, that's why a lot of people won't do what God's asking them to do because they just, they just can't find time to do it? I would say probably that's, that's one of the top three reasons, like, like the Bible says here, is people just don't have time to do it. We, I don't know about you, but, but I don't have much time to spare, do you? I mean, I run around, I, I tell people, they say, well, how you doing? And I say, I'm running around like a head with my chicken cut off. I, that's how I feel sometimes. Like I'm just the head and the chicken's gone and I ain't getting nothing done. I'm not going anywhere. But yet I'm always constantly trying to go. And, and me and Lacey, we, we had a blessing last night. My sister took our two kids to a, to a birthday party, with uh, another little kid's birthday party. And, and Lacey looked at me after the kids walked out of the house, and she said, hey, you going to go somewhere? I said, no. I just want to sit down. You all agree with that statement, right? You can understand that, especially those of you that got to have toddlers and little kids. You just want to sit down and relax. And that's what I wanted to do. Why? Because it seems like I'm just running constantly. But the thing about it is we do it to ourselves. This guy, uh, you know, he, he did this to himself. He bought, bought those five yoke of oxen, and he couldn't take time. How long does it take to eat supper? I don't know, maybe 30 minutes, an hour. If you go to somebody's house, you want to stay a couple hours and visit with them. And it's times like that that are important. When you commune with people. But it seems like today we don't even have time to commune with each other, do we? We don't have time for that. We've got to go. We've got somewhere else to be. We've, we've got to go, go, go. And yet it seems like we never get anything accomplished. Amen? And so this man's in that same shape. He says, hey, here's my excuse. I just don't have time for you. 
He may have been telling the truth or he may have been lying, but that was his excuse. So we see a man that probably had too much, too many possessions to go to deal with the supper than the guy that just didn't have time. And then this is my favorite one of them all. I love this. And, and there's, there's a friend of mine that anytime I would invite him to do something and he would say, no, I can't come, I would send him this Bible verse. I would just say Luke 14, verse 20. Ain't that right, Zeb? Didn't I do that to you? I did. Luke 14, verse 20 says this. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So to me, being a married guy, that seems pretty reasonable to me, don't it, don't it to some of you married men? I mean, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to throw off on my wife or anything. I mean, she, she gives me more, more slack than, than a lot of wives give their men. But sometimes, when somebody asks you to do something, you just can't do it because of somebody else. It, we don't know how long this guy had been married. But I'm assuming, by the way this reads in the text, I have married a wife, so this guy may still be in his honeymoon. This guy may still be out honeymooning, and, and you know, you just you don't want to go anywhere else. You just you just want to be with your be with your wife. And it's like my great uncle said, you know, for the first six months it's sugar and pie, and after that it's root hog or die. So you just you love them as much as you can right there on the front end. But you know why he didn't want to do that. And, and, and this is funny. I know it's, it's a funny, it's kind of a funny verse. I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. That's out of Jesus' mouth. I want you to understand that. But all you married men in here and all you married folks and you women too, understand that concept. Hey, sometimes you just, you just can't do it. Why is that? Well, it's probably because of what the other person will think. It's probably because you're afraid that they'll think, well, I'm putting my friend in front of my spouse. And so I would say that, that a lot of times people do not accept the invitation to come to supper simply because they're afraid of what those around them or those that they're close to, they're afraid, what will they think about that? I can't go because of that. I can't go to supper because my wife's holding me back. I can't go accept the invitation because my husband's holding me back or, or my children or whatever the situation may be. And we don't go and we miss the great blessings. The, people miss salvation. People die and go to hell. I want you to understand this. This is how serious this is. If you, if you miss the meal here in this case, I want you to understand that you either go to the meal or you die and go to hell. That's simple. Y'all get that? Not rocket science, is it? And so this is so serious that people would be willing to die and go to hell because they're so concerned about what everybody else thinks around them. So we have possessions, we have time, and, th and then another reason, and I would call this the, the people factor. You think you care about what other people think. I'm going to give you a good little piece of information that you can take with you, and it, it'll probably apply in many aspects of your life. It doesn't matter what other people think. It don't matter. Uh, we get, I get so concerned sometimes about, about you know, and trying to impress people. And I'm not good at impressing people. I, understand. I know that. But I, I try, to, try to do right for people. And I try to do right by people. And all this. And I go get so caught up in it. And a lot of times my decisions are based on. Well what will so and so think about this? 
You know, as the pastor of this church, if, if God tells me to do something, if God says, hey, you, the church needs to do this, and I'll stop and I'll, say, I'll think sometimes, well, what will so-and-so think? What, what, will, what will the congregation think about it? And so people stop and, and they, they just pretty much kill something that God told them to do simply because they care about what Mason and Gary and Cecil and all you other folks think about it. I'm not picking on you. I love you, Mason. You know, I'm going to tie you up. Get up here. No, I'm just kidding, brother. But we get so concerned about others and those, and those around us, and we shouldn't. It only matters what God thinks. Why? Because, because one of these days, I want you to understand this. You're going to stand in front of God. You're going to stand in front of Him. You're going to be in one of two judgments. You're either going to be at the great white throne judgment or you're going to be at, at, the, at the, the judgment seat of Christ. One of the two. And you're going to stand and you're going to give an account of everything that you've done. Do you understand that? This is serious business. I'm real serious right now, okay? You're going to give an account and God's going to look at you and, and I don't know what he's going to say there. But you're probably going to be on your face because you're going to be in front of God. And for a lost person, it might be as simple as this. Why didn't you accept me? Why didn't you accept me? Why didn't you accept what Jesus did on the cross? The work's already done. All you have to do is just come. Why didn't you come? And you can't lie right there. You're going to be so exposed and you're going to be laying there on your face probably. And there's no use for excuse. You can't give an excuse. It's just going to be, God, I didn't do it. God, I, I didn't because, of, and, and he's going to say, no, I don't want to hear it. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's serious. You know that? Christian folks are going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and they might say, and, and Jesus might look at you, Brother Gary, and say, well, brother, why didn't you go witness to this person? No excuse. No reason. Why didn't you do what I asked you to do? Why were you not in the center of my will? No excuses. You can't say, you're not going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. You're not going to stand at the white throne judgment and say, well, it was because of my spouse. No, it's not about your spouse at that point. It's between you and God. See, that's the thing about this, this whole Christian thing is it's not about you and anybody else. It's about you and God. Now, if you're, if you're a saved person and your spouse is lost, you need to do everything you can to win them to the Lord. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of life's journey, it's going to be you and God. You're going to stand and give an account for you. Is he going to say, welcome in? Hey, I got supper ready. Go on in there. It's waiting for you. Hey, the work's already been done. Come to supper. Or is he going to say, depart from me? No excuses. We're so good at giving excuses, aren't we? I think we've sometimes we've just got them planned out and in our pocket ready to go. And I'll say, well, well, why aren't you reading your Bible? Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you coming to church? And we'll just come up with a plethora of excuses. Just We can just spout them off like we can spout our name off. And lost people can do the same thing. I believe the Holy Spirit has convicted somebody this morning. I don't preach a sermon like this without the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God. And I guarantee you that there's somebody in here that's lost and you're sitting there thinking about excuses right now. 
You're thinking of a million reasons why you shouldn't be saved. You're sitting there running it through your mind saying, well, I can't get saved because of this, or I can't get saved because of that, or I've got a, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to go to church and, and do what God asked me to do. I've got, I've got a lot of other things going for me. Or, or what will the guy across the aisle think? He thinks I live for God every day. Well, it don't matter. You need to block him out. You need to forget about him, and you need to do what's right between you and God. Brother Cecil, come get us a song. Sister Connie, come to the piano. And I'm going to pray. And I want you to understand that, that I'm, not, I'm not preaching this message to try to be hateful. I'm not trying to, to, to just be rude. But I want you to understand that excuses do not work with God. They don't. There's no room for them. You, you might as well not even give them. Just be honest. You know, you're going to be honest before God one day. You might as well be honest before, with Him right now. Why not be honest with Him while you still have the opportunity and say, God, uh, my excuses, just forgive me for all the excuses I've given, and God help me. Let's stand, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. And if you, you have a need, come to the altar this morning. I'd like to see somebody saved this morning. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you for that great invitation that you've given us. God, that you said, just come. Just come unto me. It's that simple. And yet so many people, people in this room this morning, are going to probably reject that. God, I pray that you would convict people when they try to make excuses. God, I pray that you would deal with their heart, Lord, that they can't do anything this morning, God, but be honest with you. And not think about what they have in possession-wise. Not let them think about all the other things that they've got to do. God, block that out of their mind. And don't let them think about others. God, it's an individual thing this morning. God, we trust you. And we know that you've done a work this morning. God, I pray that you would draw Christians closer to you. And Lord, that you would save the lost. In Jesus' name, amen.